I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What is the Metaverse and Why Should I Care? Now, the metaverse is an essential element of what is known as Web3, or the embodied internet. And for those of you that have seen the movie Ready Player One, you'll have a bit of a sense as to what the metaverse is all about. But it's more than just fiction. In fact, it's so important that Facebook changed the name of its parent company from Facebook to Meta, and they have over 10,000 developers building out Facebook's version of the metaverse. Fortune magazine said just recently that the metaverse was the most important tech trend since the iPhone. So I'm delighted to have our guest here today to explain the metaverse to us. It's Sebastian Bourget, who is the co-founder and chief operating officer of The Sandbox. And The Sandbox is one of the leading metaverse platforms. And so with that, Sebastian, thank you very much for joining us here in the real world. Thank you, Nick, for having me. It's great. a pleasure. So um, so what would be great to start off with is uh, we hear a lot about the metaverse today. Could you give us a sense of, you know, what is your interpretation of that term? What does it mean when we talk about the metaverse? In simple terms for us, the metaverse is this like myriad of digital world, digital parallel universes, where us human beings can get to enjoy, participate, engage through social, immersive, playful, fun experiences. And all of that through just a 3D avatar that is a representation of ourselves. The sandbox is one of this virtual world that's contributing to the metaverse. And we're taking a fresh approach to it by being this virtual world that uses blockchain technology and NFTs in order to enable the users to truly own their identity, to truly own their assets and their currency so that they can actually, if they choose to, also transfer this identity into other virtual worlds and then enjoy this concept of open metaverse. I mean, it is fantastic. And I, I, mean, I think a couple of key points that you talked about there seems to be what distinguishes the metaverses we talk about today and what the sandbox is doing from, say, what, what, what we've had previously, particularly with you know, virtual worlds like Second Life, which, which sort of burnt pretty bright um, and then sort of burnt out, you know, a few years ago. Now, can you sort of hone in on why are we, why is it different now? What, what's changed? There's many factors that take, that can explain what's changed. But you're right, like over the past 25 years, we've already seen Second Life, and then we've seen uh, World of Warcraft, Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite, Meta. All of these are just virtual world. They are closed economies, closed environments, where, yes, users can enter them through an avatar, just like, like I said before. But they are locked in into those environments with their avatar, with the time they spent on those worlds, everything they do, everything they earn, everything they spend into, onto with real money is actually not theirs. 
it's locked on the platform. They cannot transfer it to another users. They cannot uh, sell it somewhere else than on those platforms. Even worse, like anything they do or they actually they create, so they spend time into creating amazing content that contributed to the success of those large virtual worlds, it's actually not theirs. So this is, I think, one of the key difference in Sandbox. Anything you as a user entering this virtual world through your avatar make is truly yours. And you get to own it and you get to keep 100% of the value you generate from this creation when you want to sell it on the marketplace or when you want to use it to build your own world. Also, I think something quite important is like what you're going to experience in the metaverse versus those uh, centralized virtual worlds. Second Life was mostly a place where uh, like designed for commerce in a way, like a lot of brands establish their shop and a very transactional approach with users. Not very fun in our opinion. The Sandbox is aiming to offer, uh, to replicate a lot of the activities we're seeing in the real world already, like attending a fashion show, attending a virtual concert, discovering an art gallery or museum, but also playing games, socializing with other users, um, dancing at clubs, um, and so many other things that are not only designed by our teams, but more and more importantly, designed 90%, 99% by users and uh, the rest 1% by major brands and IPs entering Sandbox. So, so for us, it's really important, the idea of experience, of fun, and of ownership. And that's, we think, is something that differentiates us. We also have virtual lands that not all those virtual worlds have. Sandbox became actually very much known for its virtual real estate. Any land parcel uh, that is... Um, uh, so we have a map of 166, 464 lands in total. Each one is actually an NFT on a blockchain. And it can be owned by the users. So users own a piece of that world that they contribute to build and they can monetize it through renting it, through publishing content and uh, contributing to growing the world, growing the network behind. Fantastic. We, we will come back to the, the virtual land because I think it's a fascinating uh, area and that's certainly an area of massive difference to what we saw with Second Life um, back in those days. But maybe just to give people a bit more of a sense of this, because I think one of the one of the concerns is, well, I mean, do I need you know a virtual reality headset or you know? So so what's the you know who I guess who is in um, the sandbox? What you know what's what's your demographic? Um, who, who's in there and and what are they doing and what sort of technology do they need to actually enjoy the sandbox? That's a good question. And I'm, I'm really excited that the community that's already uh, owning land and contributing to Sandbox, like we are now closely close to 19,000 unique landowners who are participating to build that world. We have members from almost any country in the world, like majority in the US, but Sandbox top tier countries are like Korea, Japan, China, Indonesia, Thailand, Philippines, India, Turkey, Italy. So it's a very diverse uh, virtual world already where we have a lot of culture also coming from brands, both the physical world. So some of them you can see behind me. Let's uh, mention Snoop Dogg, Warner Music Group, uh, Atari, Adidas, The Walking Dead, Care Bear, Smurf, just a few of, of uh, the one that's been announced to date. And 
like fantastic communities as well that come and are born from this web free ecosystem, including like uh, Binance, CoinMarketCap, or Border Ape, typically as or World of Women or Cutogat Gang, and many of those NFT collections as well that are enjoying the true ownership, that are enjoying also uh, interoperability, one of the features that blockchain enables to actually give life to their NFTs, add more utility to them and come to Sandbox to create first and then play, engage in play to earn afterwards. Um, we are mostly aiming at an old adult audience so far with users between 25 to 45 years old. So that's also important as a differentiator versus uh, Roblox and other um, virtual world that uh, skew to our much younger audience. And uh, we've just passed a 2 million registered wallets. So Sandbox is one actually of the leading uh, growth engine for adoption of Web3 in general. That's still a small number, of course, compared to the 100 million of users of certain virtual world. But just think that a year ago, uh, like of some of the largest blockchain-based um, services application, they roughly had 10,000 users at peak. And it was being in the top. So it's fantastic to observe that growth, to see uh, all the community empowerment that comes through uh, the ownership of the digital assets and tokens and how Sandbox is, is growing fast today. It's, um, that is amazing growth. It's the, the 19,000 landowners. That is, that is spectacular. Um, so congratulations. I think, so just this interoperability, which I think is very important, uh, for people and maybe goes some way to explaining the current NFT craze, but maybe, um, let's say, for example, I have a spot of luck and, and stumble across one and a half million dollars and buy myself a board ape NFT. Uh, and so, well, would I be able to bring that into the sandbox? How does that? How does it work? Because I'm, I think people don't understand what why NFTs are priced the way they are. So could maybe just a little bit of a sense as to what does what does it mean to to own an NFT and and within a you know an environment like the sandbox? That's well, that's one great example. Like board ape, they are probably one of the most important, most cultural and and creative community to date. But Let's think, let's take just what is a board ape. Board ape is initially a collection of characters set into a roadmap and an environment. They launch uh, this collection as, uh, that we call them 10,000 collection because there is effectively 10,000 unique 2D images, uh, characters with different traits and attributes that makes them more rare for certain. Effectively, they are just images at the beginning. Like you cannot uh, use them uh, into games, etc. You can just have them in your wallet. You own them, so you have in a wallet. You can exchange them, sell them, or use them to display them over social uh, media, profile picture, etc. What Sandbox is aiming to do is through interoperability to like look through your wallet, the same wallet that you use to connect with Sandbox. So that's part also of like being in Web3. You, your identity go is the same across as you connect to various dApps. We recognize your board ape and you will recognize a lot of other um, NFT collection and we will give you a 3D equivalent representation of that same 2D image that you have. 
And that 3D representation is it's a game character. It's a new wow. avatar in sandbox, which then you can use to I don't know to to, to work, to chat with other, to dance. They have so many sixty plus animation already from the get go. To fight against enemies, to jump, run, and do other cool things, and that can keep uh, in being improved over time. And I think it's it's exciting because it didn't it was not made by the board ape community or the board ape uh, creators, um, Yuga Lab. It's made by Sandbox to add more value to those NFTs because suddenly from a 2D image, you have the possibility to play into a 3D virtual world with that. And Sandbox is more than just a 3D virtual world where you chat, etc. It's a user-generated content platform. We provide amazing creative tools, Voxedit to make 3D assets, GameMaker, which is a no-code software where you can just drag and drop to start creating interactive games and experiences, and the map where board ape has lands but people can become the virtual neighbors of uh, a board ape to build together this environment so in a way sandbox provide the world the place the environments the tools where some 2d collections uh, nft collection can come to life and allow their owners to become more creative to build a world and i think it's important some people start to say like sandbox is a digital nation or or like NFT collection is a new way to create IP. Is the next Disney is actually being made from starting from characters and in a web free decentralized environment. There are other tools and other community members that will build the world, build the story and adventure of those characters. Fantastic. The, um, so you mentioned a few big brands, um, before obviously Snoop Dogg, you're famously, um, he was, a, he was a very, uh, early, uh, buyer into the sandbox, but also, uh, Adidas and Warner Music. And then interestingly, um, PwC, the, you know, one of the big four big professional services firms, um, acquired a plot in the sandbox. So could you give us a sense and, and many of our listeners or, and viewers, will be people within large organizations who will be wondering what are the opportunities within, you know, the metaverse and particular platform like the sandbox for their organizations. Could you just talk through, you know, a little bit, you know, why, why are folks, you know, acquiring land and, and building out um, experiences in the sandbox? There's many various reasons why you want to buy land, but I would say that like a few of them being present into the metaverse Owning, owning land is the first step to being present in the metaverse and show that to the world through your logo on the map. That's also one of the success recipes of Sandbox on the map to reinforce the idea of ownership. You can display your logo and you can let the community buy land around yourself to become essentially your virtual neighbors. They are just one walk away uh, in the 3D world with their avatars from your land. There is also this yeah. Web3 is very community-driven and user-centric. Web2 is designed around, like, uh, unfortunately, it, it became a machine at collecting data and using that data to serve you more ads or to selling you more products. So very transactional at the end of the day again. Web3 is oriented around, like, not trying to sell you more product. Web3 is around to create more engagement, more meaning for users toward the brand they choose to they are fan of or they choose to stay engaged with. And that means with creative tool that even a company like PwC can create like a place where they can engage with their customer in a different way. Also, since many of their uh, clients come and want to 
invest, to learn, to own a piece, to have digital assets, etc. It makes a lot of sense for them to actually be uh, an actor uh, in the space. How can you advise someone if you do not own yourself, if you do not try the tools, if you do not go through the whole journey of what it is like to own the land and participate into this or web free ethos. That's, uh, that's why I think they've been uh, one of the leading and uh, a pioneer company to jump and start there. But they are not the only one kind of uh, companies that are not, not necessarily entertainment, sport, music, celebrity or gaming that enter the space. Like we're seeing such a great diversity of, of um, partners of uh, culture essentially that's present and you have like well-being related companies you have like coaching education as well uh, it's a topic i'm really attached to like how do we create more engagement and reward people for learning learning new skills typically in the metaverse and being making make it a revenue from their time their engagement the content they contribute to uh so there's no definite answer to what like oh what can we do in the metaverse it's it's ongoing it's it's really early days in the way and that's what's also make it a very exciting space to be in. Like you can, you get the chance to really redefine who you are as a company, what you create as greater and who you are as uh, your identity through that avatar. It's really opening, uh, interesting new perspective for everyone who wants to join into the space. You mentioned, um, the idea of education. And I know one of the metrics that you're very proud of is. Um, that you've created over a thousand jobs, uh, with the sandbox. Can you, can you give people a sense of how, how is that so? What, what, what jobs are they and, and, you know, who are these people? What are they doing? Yes. And, and we hope to keep creating millions more, not only in sandbox, but I think in the metaverse in general, there is an opportunity for millions of jobs to be created. Again, going back to the definition, it's a set of uh, virtual worlds where users can engage and, and transfer their identity and belongings uh, to one, from one to another. Um, those worlds, they need to be built. Originally, they're all empty. Uh, they are not replicating the physical world. They're all things that come up from our imagination. So you and anyone else can come and start contributing to this large-scale effort of populating the metaverse, populating it with content, populating it with people. Uh, so that's why the creator economy will be thriving again uh, in the metaverse because we're going to need so many architects, designers, fashion designers for avatar, level designers, game designers, people who are creating those space where we socialize, where we see experiences that go beyond our imagination and make us dream again. And we'll need people as well, like I think, like being present, engaging with others, chatting with others, making this place fun and alive is also as valuable and should be rewarded. That's why there are play to earn mechanics um, in a platform like Sandbox and other decentralized games. Um, and it also enables new businesses like selling uh, virtual lands so or virtual real estate order curator for like looking at content made by the community and helping for discovery and selling it, coaching, etc. Even player is now turning into uh, an activity that can generate an income. So basically the definition of a job. If I'm playing uh, one hour into a land, a game that's 
don't know, rewards me with a certain NFT, a gold sword. That's only a hundred copy in the uh, overall, uh, of that digital sword. And on the certain, on marketplaces, it can be sold for hundred dollars. I effectively made a hundred dollars an hour after playing if I sell it. And that's basically like the beginning of a whole economy. And that's what also is important in Web3, like all the digital assets, those NFTs, they can hold values, they can be sold. So they allow to create services, sales, like jobs behind, and just like all the ingredients for digital economy. We help, we have 50 plus studios who started in the last six months from being one single person studio to now becoming like 10 to 20, some 40 people, um, studios who help the 19,000 landowners to build their content or they help big brands to enter the metaverse and create those amazing experiences. That's, they are from around the world, like from Korea, from France, from, uh, Japan and uh, other locations. So it's also exciting as well, uh, to, to have such a great diversity. Some are led by women, etc. We actually launched recently the Metaverse Accelerator. It's a $50 million program that will be supporting 40 entrepreneurs and startups as well to build, uh, not just content, but to build businesses and, and the services that will allow uh, Sandbox and Web3 ecosystem in general as well to grow. So we're doing our best to keep uh, pushing for those like... Uh, uh, initiative and support with our foundation as we want the ecosystem to grow. So we will grow, uh, and accelerate it with together. No, I, th- I think there's, um, a lot of, uh, parents who might have been listening to, uh, to what you had to say. They will be very pleased that, uh, now they can actually monetize their children's game time with, with play to earn. But it is a, it is a big change, isn't it? With which the metaverse well, and the sandbox, that, that, the idea of play to the, earn. There will be great parents, very, um, very forward thinking because, well, I think probably your generation and mine, like we were told, like, stop playing games. It's actually not an activity that will lead you anywhere. But though we, I think those are valuable skills and these are some of those skills that they will never be taught at school. Actually, you can now learn through gaming a lot of complex financial concepts from like the idea of like yield generation from utilizing game items, NFC, selling, trading, uh, renting sometimes, staking as well. Like having kids understanding the principle of staking NFT and APY, like like who would guess that? And that's that's just some of the amazing things we're seeing, yeah. And, and some of those things that Sebastian has just talked about draw from the world of DeFi and decentralized finance, which I know the sandbox um, that is very engaged in, but your know, concepts of staking cryptocurrency and so forth are completely foreign, I think, to, to most people. And yet, you know, in the sandbox, you've, you've created that, you know, conceptually. And so people can actually experience it in a, in a sort of simpler way. Is that, is, is decentralized finance and that concept, I guess it goes along with the ownership of digital assets and so forth. Is that, is that a big part of the roadmap? It is. Uh, I wouldn't claim any credit for having invented the concept of staking. Uh, it's, it's been there, <laughs> no, no. but why, what's interesting is like it was mostly applied to like staking a cryptocurrency and so like by contributing to reducing the amount of supply available on market, calling the circulating supply. 
you uh, uh, you, you help to stabilize, I would say, the uh, currency from its fluctuation, roughly uh, roughly speaking. The idea of applying it to NFTs and applying as well, I think, is important because, well, in a market which is more or less liquid, where like there is less seller of a certain item, while the demand keeps being high, is contributing to make those items more valued. So people will want uh, those items, but not from the uh, pure speculative aspect. I think like it's really built in with the utility behind and the demand that comes from gameplay. Uh, great. Just um, so we've talked about virtual land and and congratulations because we were talking before about um, so CNBC reported that there was over five hundred million dollars of land of virtual land sales last year, and I think they identify the sandbox as the leader um, in that with over sixty percent of those sales. So um, could you talk us through just? How, I mean, we we know there's been a virtual land boom. Um, could you talk us through how does that work for people who don't understand? what that means, how would they get involved, you know, in virtual land um, investment? The, you're right, like I was looking at the latest stat, we're almost at $400 million GMV um, by Sandbox over its lifetime. Last year, uh, the overall virtual real estate market was half a billion dollar of uh, exchange. People uh, might wonder, like, why is virtual land uh, valuable? Like, and why would people want to buy it? Like, it essentially works the same as physical uh, property and physical land. Like, you own a location into a virtual world where that location you can actually generate a revenue from either to rent it to other creators or by building it yourself or hiring uh, a a specialized uh, builder, creator for hire. And launching your own business, like launching a game, launching an experience, something that will help you to uh, monetize through uh, NFT tickets or selling content as NFTs, typically, that you use into your game. Now, like, okay, property development, except that in the metaverse, like, you can build things so much faster. Like, we're just talking in a matter of hours, days at most, weeks maybe, for the most ambitious project. You have access to very creative tools that allows you to make things like beyond the laws of physics, beyond imagination, really cool, fun, culturally relevant, uh, amazing, uh, almost something like can become a virtual shows. Uh, and you have access to a global audience, like people from Korea, from Japan, from US, from Europe, they can come with their avatar, visit it, engage with it. You can launch your community through uh, like the token you engage them and the community of uh, NFT holder are going to contribute as well to support and build that uh, together. So that's some of the exciting possibilities behind versus the physical world where it takes months, years, sometimes decades to build cool things. You have a lot of like complex administrative paperwork and you are very limited to the reach of the audience depending on where you actually buy, uh, uh, which city, which country, and so on. So those are very comprehensible things. The second factor is also like like the current. Uh, I think no one is supposed to ignore that it's getting harder and harder for the middle class and the younger generation to actually buy their first apartment, their first house, the, me- the median age to become 
owner of property is moving towards 40 plus, uh, whereas like maybe two generations before, our parents were able to buy between their 20 to 30s. So people, and, and we think since the pandemic, there's a generation and ourselves, we're spending more time into virtual world uh, and online initially. So we're not looking at the same, um, like we do no longer have the same aspiration and we no longer need to have like physical property. If actually the place we work, we play, we engage, we socialize and more is online and those are utility and we use it every day and we start to be part of that space through our avatar and account and we understand it. So we're becoming more native to the space and it makes sense that we want to own a place, a location where we can have a host or host parties or build uh, a place where we want to generate an activity while, um, uh, while rather than in the physical world. I noted that um, I think it was reported that three people had paid over a million dollars um, to be Snoop Dogg's neighbours. Um, so uh, I don't know. Does that is that a good place to be? Is it loud being next to Snoop Dogg, or in the in the virtual world, it's going to be quiet? Well, the so that's a, an, another aspect. You have the choice of the location. Not all property, not all land are worth that range. Like it's still very accessible with the smallest one by one, which is like still one hectare of virtual space, uh, accessible for about a thousand cents. So roughly three thousand, four thousand dollars. Uh, but there are location, key location that are unique being, and some people would value them more. Like people will value that being the direct neighbor to Snoop Dogg is actually like uh, uh, going to be a place with more food traffic for uh, avatars and probably more famous people around will hang out at Snoop Mansion since Snoop is going to host his virtual concert at his mansion. I have probably friends that he, from his uh, real world network, celebrities, other artists, etc. So, it makes sense indeed to, it's almost like having a restaurant in front uh, at Times Square versus a restaurant maybe into another location that's less hyped, at least initially, but that's not like anyone can build the next Times Square, the next landmark, the next monument, the next concert hall, etc. as well in the metaverse. There's also this redefinition. So anyone can choose the value <laughs> in the way and the way they we have all the personal way to appreciate what's valuable to us. I, and that's what I want to say. And um, for some, this location for Snoop Dogg or, uh, is important. Just, um, just to, to move on to, um, I know a subject that's very important to you, and you talked about creating the open metaverse. And uh, as we know, there are, there are a number of big technology players who are building aspects of the metaverse themselves. Can you talk a little bit about, well, you know, conceptually um, the open metaverse versus sort of a closed metaverse? Well, that, the, going back to what my introduction, I'd say like the true metaverse can only be open. It can only stay, uh, uh, it can only be true to the definition if users through their avatar from their identity can actually take that identity from one to another and not be locked in by the platform that, that own their data or capture all the values they bring into. That's 
essential. Um, that's it. That like anyone else who's not into using this technology and not like uh, enabling their users to 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 be free in a way to move, free to own, and not supporting those digital rights, cannot really claim to be metaverse. Yeah. Great. And maybe just um, a, a final question, which is really just for for folks, how, how should they get started and, and sort of what's happening with the sandbox and access to the sandbox and so forth? There's so many ways to get started in sandbox. First of all, you do not need to buy anything. You do not need to buy any land, etc. Like you can just download the creation tools, for example, try for yourself, get, create your content. And only at the very last time, if you want to publish on the map, you need a land ultimately to make it public for others to visit. But until then, uh, owning the land is just a matter of like maybe securing the spot, uh, on the, at a certain location on the map before, maybe before it's gone or before it's, uh, someone else about it. Uh, you can also engage in Sandbox as a player rather than a creator or an artist or a landowner. Uh, like we have regular play to earn seasons. The next one is, is will be launching uh, around end of February. You can have, um, you can also just be involved, uh, like we mentioned, as an investor or holder of the token of the platform, Sand, and staking it. It's valuable for the economy. And you're helping um, in certain ways as well, without being any of the other um, so the other profile. So, so that's also interesting. Like the platform allows so many different ways to contribute. Um, you can just come to earn a revenue as being a community manager into experiences, in being a curator, in being a virtual real estate broker to facilitate selling land parcel. Um, those are jobs, there's even jobs to invent and I'm looking to more creativity and more ideas or like how you want to engage in the metaverse. Fantastic. Well, look, Sebastian Boyle, thank you very much for your time. Your enthusiasm is palpable and in fact, your, I, I think your, your real humanity is, uh, is also comes through and it comes through in what your intentions are for the sandbox. And so thank you all very much. I would encourage everyone who's watching and listening to, uh, to have a look at the sandbox. It is quite a remarkable experience. You don't need virtual reality gear or anything like that. You can get straight in. It's really great fun um, and, and just fascinating. So, Sebastian, we wish you all the very best. Uh, I know it's been a great run so far. I'm sure it will continue uh, to go incredibly well. So thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, everyone, for watching, and hopefully see you in the metaverse. Thanks for listening to Web3 from Mystery to Mainstream. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day. And remember, every organisation needs a Web3 strategy.